0: To another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here, what is this, seven days in a row of podcasts? Holy crap. I think this is the first time I've ever done that on this show. Anyway, we are back covering the very last disc in the new Ken Hensley box set Past and Present, so- Past and Present Songs in Time. Uh, it's been an amazing box set so far. Uh, this one I was a little confused by, but I think I've got it sorted out. So the, there are 11 tracks. The first two tracks are from the album Faster, which is credited to Ken Hensley and the band Live Fire. The uh, next set of tracks three through nine are from uh, on stage uh, recordings with Live Fire. And then tracks 10 and 11 are two tracks from the album My Book of Answers. That was uh, the final release that we have. I should say final so far. We shall see. Uh, so in the show notes, what I've done is I've included my review to my book of answers. Uh, I won't be covering those again today. We've already covered those on the show. So tracks 10 and 11, go to that review. Also, um, I thought it would be interesting for those of you who didn't hear it earlier. I have sent uh, the link in the show notes as well to my interview with Ken's manager, Steve Weltman, uh, super nice guy, uh, has just been very helpful um, for both my work on uh, Ken's music as well as Lee Kerslake's music, as well as Paul Newton. Um, I was able to meet Ken and Paul through, uh, reconnect with Ken and meet Paul through Steve. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the day that I got Steve's information and had reached out to him was just a couple hours before the social media postings about Lee's passing away. Um, but uh, Steve was great. He uh, immediately reached out to me. To let me know, um, and he didn't even know who I was, which was was pretty amazing because that was literally the day I connected with him, and um, he wrote to me, let me know. He said, uh, "Give me a little bit of time, I'll arrange the other interviews." Uh, followed through was absolutely fantastic, and I I was really amazed at the professionalism in the midst of you know not only losing a client, having all this work to do, but losing a dear friend um, must have been incredibly devastating. And then I. By the time we got back to arranging the interviews, I uh, uh, interviewed Ken, and um, literally a week to the day of my interview uh, with him, the interview came out on the podcast, and I had sent the uh, the link to Steve asking him to share it with Ken, and, Ken, and uh, Steve had to write me back, unfortunately, and let me know that Ken had passed away earlier in the night. So um, again, the, the professionalism of this guy, there are so many people I deal with that they can't even respond or uh, they're not helpful. They, they just don't um, bother to invest any of the time. And here's a guy who in the midst of losing two very dear friends, clients that kept him very busy, he's got all this work to do now to deal with all of this with press releases, notifying people before the press releases, all this stuff that has to happen. And he took the time to, um, to let me know. Uh, which I I greatly appreciate. He's been uh, just an amazing uh, friend ever since and um, somebody that I highly, highly respect in the industry. And and just as a person, I really wish that more people were like him. So uh, thank you, Steve. The link is in the show notes for you guys who want to check out that review and that interview. In the meanwhile, let's get to the first two tracks. They are the studio cuts from the album Faster by Ken Hensley and Live Fire. Now, uh, according to the notes that I have, and I don't know uh, if there was any... Uh, change in lineup or not. But uh, according to the notes I have, uh, the members of Live Fire were, I hope I'm going to say this right, because I'm pretty sure I'm not, Ken Ingverson uh, on guitar and vocals, Sid Ringsby on bass guitar and vocals, Ken Hensley, of course, on keyboards, guitars and vocals, Erica Hawkes Hawkson. I hope that's at least reasonably close on lead vocals and Tom Arnie Foshim on drums. Um, I'm not familiar with these musicians. Uh, Obviously, Ken would not be spending his time working with anybody who was not um, somebody he felt was up to the the challenge. And uh, that's a tall order when you're coming to someone as talented as Ken. So um, great stuff. And let's see where the music leads. The first track is the title track of the album. It is called Faster.
1: and i can believe their hearts are beating and their wheels are
0: spinning. i don't know if this is ken ingerson singing or sid ringsby but i have to say i really like the vocals or or maybe it's uh eric or uh, really hope i'm pronouncing these names right uh, he is listed as the lead vocalist uh really good voice though uh, very much like that gritty sound that he's got. It's really perfect for this kind of rock song. Um, wasn't sure where it was going. You know, anytime it starts out with a car immediately, you, you put yourself in this as a highway, you know, great song to just put in the car and get out on the highway and drive. I think I would have felt that anyway, without being led there by the sound of the vehicle. Cause this is definitely a, uh, a great driving song. Um, really feels good. It's got great energy. It's got a great beat to it. Um, very straightforward. And um, just a, a song that you could just kind of, you know, bounce your head to or, or uh, you know, tap your foot to unless you're driving, because it's really hard to tap your foot and drive, especially if you drive a stick shift. Don't even try it. Um, yeah, good song for sure. I think this is a great way to kick off the album. And um, let's check out. Now I'm curious to see what the other studio song is like. The second one is called Somewhere and then in parentheses in Paradise. And I'm really glad they did that because... Somewhere could mean a lot of things like that could be, uh, you know, somewhere horrible, somewhere good, somewhere I don't care about, somewhere I want to leave, somewhere that's nowhere. I mean, it could mean a lot of things. So having it be somewhere in paradise, you know that the song at least is headed in a certain direction. Let's see how it sounds. There has
1: to be a bright light shining in this dark world somewhere There has to be a new day coming There has to be a white night on this sad horizon somewhere take you on a secret journey to a place I know above the sky I'll take you to paradise
0: I could see this song working very well in a film soundtrack um definitely has that uh that feel and there's something about the sound of it that I think would work really well I I was I almost well not almost I was reminded of Uh, the song Almost Paradise, I think it was called, which was a collaboration between Loverboy's Mike Reno and Hearts and Wilson. Um, The chorus of this kind of reminded me a little bit of a more upbeat version of the chorus of that song, just in the first half of it. And then it went into something a little bit different. But it's uh, it's cool. The ending is a little bit haunting, something I wouldn't have quite expected. So I'm not sure how to feel about that, because this is really um, the rest of it is really upbeat and warm and inviting. Like, I want to go hang out with Ken, you know, in, in paradise because it just sounds he's making it sound so good. So, um, yeah, an interesting song, but a really good one um, of the two studio tracks that we're getting from this album fantasy. I have to say both of these uh, definitely winners for me. I'm going to have to go back and visit that album and see what I can find because it's um, just right out of the gate. It's pretty cool. So now we're going to get into a series of live tracks. Um, I don't normally like to cover live tracks, and here's why. I wasn't there. Live music to me is very much an in-the-moment thing. Why did the band play at this tempo? Well, because the last song that they played, they were on fire, so they started this one too fast. Uh, when you're listening to it, uh, as an album, when you're not in that moment with their energy in the atmosphere, it tends to just sound awkward. It It tends to be, you know, too fast or too slow or this or that, because you weren't there. Like you're not in the energy of that particular show on that particular day or night. So for me, covering live stuff is pretty difficult to do. However, Uh, What I've learned by being one of the co-hosts on a show called Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited with my co-hosts, Corey Morissette and John Mariano, is that it is okay to take a live song and really just as it stands on its own, how do you think about it? So even if I could say, well, the tempo was too fast for me, it doesn't really matter why. Um, it's just a matter of listening to this version in in this particular moment. This is how it's making me feel. So, uh, I'm a little more open to it. Um, for those reasons, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't do it a whole lot. There are a couple of live albums that I do plan on reviewing for this show, but really, uh, not a lot. I don't buy a lot of live albums. I don't listen to a lot of live albums. Some songs that are are my favorites, I might go seek live versions out just to see how they transfer to the stage, you know, what the band did with them live. Um, But for the most part, uh, or sometimes just to understand for sure what the words are, if I don't agree with maybe like um, a lyric sheet or something doesn't sound right to me, I might go to a live version and and see if I can figure out what they were saying. I remember the the one that was the biggest nightmare, and I'm still not sure I have them right, are uh, the words to Beggar's Day which I knew was a cover by Nazareth from the Love Hurts album. And um, I just could never understand the lyrics. In any of the lyric sheets I found, they just never looked right. Found out it was done by another band originally, so I went and listened to those, and it looks like Nazareth changed some of the lyrics. So I went to live versions. I think what I have pieced together is accurate. If it is or isn't, uh, I can't be 100% sure either way. Uh, Love that song, though. It's one of my favorites. Beggar's Day, great song. Um, Anyway... Now we're going to go into the live ones. A couple of these songs we're going to be very familiar with if you have listened to any episodes of The Magician's Podcast. The first one is called Look at Yourself. It is from the album Look at Yourself from the band Uriah Heap. Outside the studio right now, I'm sure I'll be able to get all that out of the show, but man, I'm just hoping I can get through it before there's any power outages or anything. Uh, We don't typically get wind advisories uh, where we get notifications from the actual power company saying they have people standing by for reporting down power lines and things like that. So it must uh, must be a little bit serious this time. Anyway, a great version of Look at Yourself, I have to say. The band was pretty tight uh, the mix on this live album is fantastic. I mean, this had to be uh, recorded through the board onto multi-track, but it's very, very clean. Sounds really good. Great mix. Um, the uh, The vocals were good. I thought uh, I thought this singer's voice sounded pretty good for the song. Um, you know, for some of the words at the end of the lines. But you know, it's live. That's the beauty of live is it's not studio. It's not um, sat and gone over until it's perfect. It's you know, it's live and raw. Um, the only thing I didn't really care for was, uh, you know, at the breakdown where the guitar and the keyboards play together, um, there's that just screechy guitar sound that a lot of shredders have, and they actually sounded off from each other. The guitars and keys didn't sound like they were playing right. Um, you know, the same notes, but, uh, apart from that, it was really good. I love the way they did the ending. Um, it's a tough song because it was a whole different percussion band. It was Osobisa, Osobisa that one that I can't pronounce that came in, um, and did the ending of the song. But, uh, this actually sounded really good. They did a great job with the increase of the tempo, making it sound all crazy and a nice ending. They shut the gate as soon as the music was done, you know, no crowd noise after the fact it was just boom, cut off. Uh, I had to go back and re-listen to the beginning to make sure there was crowd because I was starting to question whether it was a live track or not. But yeah, really good version of that. I have to say, um, yeah, that, that makes me hopeful for the rest of the cover. So, uh, next song we're going to get to is another Uriah Heap song. This one is from the album Sweet Freedom, and it is called Stealin'. So this song uh, is 10 minutes and 10 seconds long, and it's mostly a a big jam. Uh, A lot of what you're hearing right here just kind of goes on for a long while. The singer introduces people. uh, They do a little bit of Rainbow Demon, a little bit of what I think might have been a slow version of Love Machine. uh, And then it finally goes into Stealin'. And um, it's a good version of Stealing, but this is like the difference between being at a show and being in the moment versus being home and listening to it on record for me. Um, Why I don't really like live stuff uh, on record, because I'm not there. I'm not in the moment with them. If I was standing there and watching them perform this and, uh, you know, the singer introduces people and they go in and do a couple different songs, that's fun when you're standing there. For me personally, listening to that on album um, doesn't just doesn't excite me a whole lot. I'm not in the moment with them. Um, aside from that, I will say the version of stealing that they do is actually very good. The singer sounds great. Uh, love the organ on the song. Um, really, really good version. So, um, I, I can give a thumbs up to that section of the song, but for me, uh, all the rest of it, not a fan of that kind of thing. Um, especially when we've got songs like July morning coming up on this, that are going to be, you know, a legitimate 10 plus minute version of it. Um, Our next song is one I'm not familiar with. It is called The Curse.
1: In the foothills of the mountains, beneath the dark and clearing sky, there's a face carved in the hillside that I seem to recognize. Some say it's a warrior king who died there long ago, but I haven't seen it written, so I can't tell.
0: So this is a song that is off the album Faster, where our first couple tracks came from. I honestly can't tell if this is a live version or not. They've clipped it so tight. I'm not hearing any crowd noise at the beginning, but the end has a longer fade out, and I'm not hearing any crowd noise there. So, uh, And and the sound is so clean, but the live sound was really good, too. So I'm not 100% positive, honestly, if this is a live version or not. I can say it is a really good song, though. Um, Got a lot of energy to it. Great vocal from Ken. Um, Really has just a a good beat, a solid groove, some great bass playing. Um, Yeah, I I like this one for sure. Uh, Our next song is called I Cry Alone. This is also originally from the Faster album. We'll see if we can tell if it's a live version or not.
1: From you, do I try to pretend it's not real? Out here alone, so far from home, should I try to deny how I feel? Lovers and others holding hands in the park, missing your kids. Now my world is so dark, no one to run to, no one can take your
0: place. Okay, further research, or just actually looking in the right place, to be honest led me to realize that our last song, The Curse, and this song, I Cry Alone, both from the album Faster, were indeed the studio versions. Um, obviously, this fade out uh, at the end of this one would have been a dead giveaway because the song actually does fade out instead of just the one you know, sound trailing off. A uh, big difference there. But in any case, these are studio versions, and I have to say this is an absolutely fantastic song. I'm really impressed with the stuff that Ken did with Live Fire, um, this was a good band together, uh, great song, really strong vocals, um, really, uh, emotional, good rock song. One I would definitely listen to again and again. I'm really digging this stuff. I'm going to have to go back and dig into their catalog a little more at some point. I think, um, that being said, our next three cuts are all live. The first one is an old Uriah Heap song. As you may imagine, uh, they would have done a lot of the uh, you know, more uh, popular Heap songs from back in the day. This one is July Morning. Seven and a half minutes of me playing July morning and the wind was just fine. And as soon as the song ends and I go to speak, it kicks up again. Or it was kicking up the whole time and the song was drowning it out. I don't know. Either way, this was a pretty cool version, I have to say. Very energetic. Um, The band was pretty tight. There were a couple things that I thought, eh, I wouldn't have played it that way. But you know what? It's, It's live. You feel things the way you feel them in the moment, and that is the beauty of live music. Otherwise, the bands would just get up there and play the record, and who would care? You know, um, they've tried that on television shows. I remember watching a show called Solid Gold back in the 80s, and they would bring bands on. But basically, they played the studio cut. The band's instruments weren't even plugged in. Like, guitars didn't have a chord in them. And we didn't really have wireless systems back then, so it was pretty suspect. Anyway, who cared to watch it? Because, I mean, the band's not actually performing live. You're just seeing the band pretending. Um, So that's the beauty of live music. And I'll tell you, this is a great energetic version of July morning. Now, at the end of the song, as it ends, you hear Ken talking about what they're going to do next in the set list. I'm pretty sure he is referring to Circle of Hands, which we're going to get to next. Although he mentioned that the chorus was written in many languages. And I don't remember that from circle of hands. So maybe there was a different track that they played in the actual set. That's not on the album. I don't know. We're going to find out. Maybe they're going to do the chorus in different languages. It'll be interesting to find out. Um, I can't think of any Uriah heap song where that was the case. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. We're going to find out. So here is some circle of hands. (音楽) I'm gonna go to the hospital, 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 I'm gonna
1: hospital, I'm gonna go to the 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 hospital, I'm gonna
0: Well, I'm not sure what they were talking about with multiple languages. That could have very well been a different song that was on the uh, original album. Um, At the end of this one, Ken goes on to talk about another song that they're going to play. I'm guessing an older song that would have been familiar because he was inviting people to sing along if they wanted to. Um, so, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing a compilation, you're not necessarily putting the songs in the same order or even all of the songs on there from the original album. So, um, I'll leave that to you guys to figure out all I care about is the song that's on the CD presented to me. And here it is, uh, really cool though. A, a really powerful version of this song. Um, love the organ sound on, it. I mean, it's just so strong and powerful. You can't go wrong with Ken behind the Hammond. Absolutely not. Um, So the last song that I'm going to get to, because the other two songs, uh, again, are from my book of answers. The link is in the show notes to my review on that album. Um, This one is called Blood on the Highway, and it appears to be from an album called Ken Hensley Blood on the Highway, The Ken Hensley Story, When Too Many Dreams Come True. This was released in 2006. And uh, interestingly, what I've been able to find out about this particular album is that it features guest vocals from John Lawton, uh, Jordan Landy, Glenn Hughes, and Eve Gallagher. Now, I know that uh, Glenn Hughes and Ken Hensley were friends. I remember when Ken passed, Glenn made quite a powerful statement about how much he uh, appreciated his his friendship with Ken. And um, John Lawton, obviously, uh, they had worked together uh, in Uriah Heap. They also did some live shows together, uh, which is c- kind of surprising because they had a bit of a uh, tumultuous relationship in, in the band. But you know what? Uh, sometimes you come together for a great project and sometimes people can put their differences aside and um, get on stage together, or do some recording together. Um, you know, sometimes it has to be arranged other ways. I have no idea the history of this album. Uh, that's what I was able to find. So basically, uh, the write up on this one, um, this is from Ken Hensley's site himself, is uh, that Blood on the Highway is an autobiographical album dealing with Hensley's experiences during his 70s heyday. Um, you know, I hate terms like that because, yeah, artists might have had a certain popularity due to certain songs or a certain time period. But when I think of Heyday, I don't think of their time in the limelight. I think of their time as an artist or whether it be a performer, a writer, a studio musician, um, you know, whatever that thing is. And I don't know that Ken's ever really stopped until uh until he died. Because the stuff that he was turning out, like My Book of Answers, is such a fantastic album. Um, that was of course co-written, but um, well, the lights just flickered here, so hopefully I'll be able to. Save this before the uh, power goes out. But in any case, um, my book of answers was co written with Vladimir Emelin. The last two songs on this CD are from that album in particular. Um, but let's listen to Blood on the Highway. Yeah, this is a pretty intense song. Um, musically, it's really good, but lyrically, you know, you you feel the history of uh, Ken's life in a song like this. And, you know, just what I saw on this album, it looks like that's what the album is about, um, would be an interesting one to dive in. But I, I kind of feel like it might be a tough one to listen to, uh, listening to the realities from his perspective. Um, you know, you get some bits of that in other songs. I remember, you know, Easy Living was written in a taxi cab about people thinking that, oh, you're in a band, you're rich and you have everything you want and you've got it so easy. And uh, no, it's it's not that way. But uh, that was a discussion that Ken and David Byron had. And then they wrote the song just like that. Um, I still find it's interesting that it's so short, it has no guitar solo. Very weird for a, a big rock hit. Um, but yeah, this is a cool song. Definitely worth checking out. Um, obviously this is with live fire. Uh, there is a bit at the end where they go on to talk about another song that they're going to do and and all that. I do think that this was recorded in Germany though, because they keep uh, thanking the audience in German, um, either that, or maybe it was, uh, like an adjacent German speaking territory. I don't know. Um, but in any case, they don't end up, we don't hear on this collection, the song that they talk about getting into. So it's a little weird. They didn't fade it out before that. But um, yeah, this is a really nice collection of songs, I have to say. I've really enjoyed going over all the CDs. Not all the songs were to my liking, but the vast majority of them were. Um, Obviously, not being a gospel uh, musician or a fan of gospel music, that's going to have a huge impact for CD number two, I believe it was. Um, But uh, yeah, this is a great collection. Go check it out. As I've said uh, on several occasions, the links are in the show notes. You can also find it uh, on your own. Uh, if you don't want to click the easy clickable links in the show notes that I have for you guys. Uh, but great stuff. Thank you for those of you who have uh, ridden this journey with me. Maybe you were only interested in content from one or two of the CDs and you only listen to those episodes. Either way, I appreciate you guys taking the time to go through these. Um, it's a tough thing because I feel like there was a real missed opportunity uh, with Ken due to the time of his passing, as I've talked about on the show before. Um, obviously there's nothing I can do about that now. Uh, there really wasn't anything I could do about it before. It just happened when it happened. And, and that was that it was just very unfortunate timing. But Ken is one of those people who has had a very profound influence on me as a musician. Um, much like Roger Glover from deep purple, um, very influential and, um, people I appreciate very much. I mean, I appreciate all the people who have had an influence, but, I think probably Ken and Roger are uh if not the two biggest definitely two of the biggest. And um you know it's, it was it was nice to be able to have some dialogue with Ken. I did get to meet Roger once many years ago. Uh that was a great uh, great about half hour of my life. Uh really that's one of those moments that you know you really wish you could just relive even if you could just visit it. Like uh, the ghost of Christmas past or something would come and take you back to a moment of your life that would be one I would love to revisit. uh, I got to meet him in person. I never did get me get to meet Ken in person um but we did have a a a nice uh number of dialogues over the years um great guy, great musician gave us so much, and uh I'm sure I'll be digging into the catalog a little bit more at some point for now. Um seven seven days in a row, I've had episodes of the Haskin Cast podcast. I want to give you guys a quick idea of what's coming up. So this is uh when is this? So this ends uh around the beginning of March. Throughout March, we'll be finishing up our multi-part series. My review of poisons open up and say ah with the uh John Matola from the Deep Purple podcast, and also finishing up the uh, album review of Cinderella's Long Cold Winter with my co-host from Aerotrax. uh, Aerotrax. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm tired. Aerosmith Backtracks revisited with Corey Morissette. And then um, after that, I've got one more album review I'm doing that will round out the month of March. Then I'm thinking about doing kind of a cool... something different for the month of April, doing a review of 80s music, different uh, things that came out in the 80s. So we'll see if that comes together. I've got uh, a couple of co-hosts for those episodes. And you know, a lot of times when I have co-hosts on, it's not just a one uh, one show episode. Sometimes they go multiple episodes. So uh, we'll see what happens. But that's kind of what's in the works uh, for this. So for now, though, uh, to close out this six part uh, review of this beautiful box set that's uh well now it'll be out by the time this airs um i want to read a quote from the book from ken's manager steve weltman i've talked about him many times on the show uh absolutely great guy somebody in the business that i i admire and respect greatly um his words uh, his final words in the book are as i have stated before first and foremost ken was a songwriter he told me that in the media many times So this collection highlights some of his great songs, which I truly hope you will enjoy. And I hope the same thing too. I hope you guys have enjoyed um, the little snippets that that, that enticed you to go deeper into his catalog, deeper into the songs on this box set. If not, uh, inspire you to go ahead and get the box set. Links are in the show notes as always thank you guys. We will be back on our regular schedule as far as I know on Wednesday, unless some other interview or something crops up and then uh, I might have a show on Saturday. You just never know around here how things are going to go. And it's uh, right now as I'm recording it, that's a couple weeks away. So time will tell, but the Haskin cast continues on. Ken's legacy lives on. Thank you guys very much for joining me. We'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.